one thing I'm very aware of often, you know, if I'm interviewing someone and I'm like, oh, they're really, really good. I'm like, oh, I know I have unconscious bias because they, they've got a personality that mm. is similar to mine. I'm going to be aware of that. But also to your point, I think the way to curb some of the weaknesses that, you know, someone like myself or anyone will have in hiring is to have certain rules and presence. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast. I am Moby Sadiq and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Tony Cow. How are you, Tony? Yeah, good. You're looking good today, Moby. Thanks, man. Are you going on holidays? Or? No, no. We're having an office warming party and uh, you didn't get the memo. No, no. Actually, I just thought I'd dress up for it. That's <laughs> oh, all. man. Yeah, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, yeah, man. Just like enjoying the end of the year. It's that festive season. So I thought I'd put on a a little bit of a tropical shirt. I love and it. If you want to see this tropical shirt, you can view the video version of this episode at redpandas.com.au forward slash EP151. It is episode 151. Wow. All right, cool. Tony, man, what are we talking about today? Okay, so OpenAI drops a big new chat GBT feature. So, you know, remember like a week ago, you could use your fingers and you had to type and use prompts? In the olden days? Yeah, the olden days. Well, now, apparently, users can use their headphones, speak to ChatGPT, and get a response. Right. Like, talk. So, it's almost like Siri. Like, yeah, it's like so. combining Siri with ChatGPT and just talk to it now. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And I guess you'll be getting better answers. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> is it just voice to text? Is that all it is? Or is it more than that? You can actually have a conversation with it. Apparently, you can have a conversation with it, voice to talk with ChatGPT, and it will give you an audible response. Oh, okay. All right, cool. And think about ChatGPT is connected to the internet. It's got AI, it's got everything. Wow. It's going to be interesting. And by the way, I actually hate Siri. I think Siri is so dumb because when I ask Siri something, uh, like even Google Home is better. Oh, yeah. It will, it will say, the these are some search web results. Like it's pretty useless. Yeah. But it's like Siri, but with ChatGPT. That's pretty cool. Mm. It's pretty awesome. This is interesting. First Spanish AI model earning up to 10,000 euros a month. So in Barcelona or Spain, right, a agency created a AI model called Aitana and it's an exuberant 25-year-old pink-haired woman created by AI and she's generating $10,000 euro a month. Like, because you know how you get, try to get UGC influencers, content, stuff like that? Mm. People are messaging this robot asking for her to, you know, promote their products. A particular actor thought it was a real person, Moby, and asked her out. <laughs> wow, interesting. So they've created this whole persona based on what people think is influential and what beauty looks like and what, like, so they just copied that, created someone, and now it's actually making money. Well, funny you say that about the persona. So originally, they just created the AI person. They posted it, and he had no persona. He had It was just a post, right, like an image. It didn't go too well. So they started adding a life story, lifestyle pictures, and gave, giving it an actual persona. And that's when it just exploded to, like, 125,000 followers on Instagram, people following it. So I guess there's a little bit more, right? But, like, it's just... Um, Interesting. Like. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Like I'm reading the the article around this, it's like you know, and obviously there's some ethical considerations here. There's criticism of the highly sexualized image of the models created. So it just like keeps perpetuating this particular idea of sexuality and inf and what an influencer mm. is and whatnot. Um, man, it's got some ethical considerations. But the thing is, this 
model will be 25 years forever. We'll never take any sick days. We'll never complain. So you true. can do whatever you want. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. And hey. I think for marketing, like think about it, instead of trying to find that influencer, the UGC person who sometimes where companies get a brand ambassador, that brand ambassador goes and do something, you know, wrong, mm. you know, a late drink up night and they stuff up and it ruins the brand and they go to stop it. With these AIs, the AI person doesn't do anything, you know, doesn't yeah. have a bender. I think it's going to work <laughs> for brands like this. Yeah. But, and the, the novel feature that the first few, but I can't see this being a long-term thing for brands that want to find influencers that represent their value. Good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they always say when you have a brand campaign influencer or whatever, don't just get, you know, like remember Mark Taylor, like Mark Taylor, the Australian cricketer. Yeah. People, you know, and Ricky Ponting, they used to make fun of him because they used to advertise everything. Yeah. From air conditioners air to solar panels <laughs> so to true. like doors, like random shit. So if I'm a brand manager, I'm not going to hire those guys because they don't stand for anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But if it's like someone who, like Bindi Irwin, like Steve Irwin's daughter, and where uh, uh, nature and values and, and conservation are part of our values, I would have someone like that. So I think it, it's really interesting and mm. there's a novel factor for sure, but deep connection with your values, it, it's not going to last. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. But yeah, this um, next thing is interesting, man. Sam Altman, the he was the CEO. Um, was it a CEO? So he was in yes, charge he was yeah, the CEO, yeah, yeah. of uh, OpenAI. Open he was fired. And as he was fired, four days later, they asked him to come back. While he had a job offered by uh, Microsoft for a new you know, AI department, and he came back, the world is like gone crazy. Man, with there's this. so much drama. Like this is honestly like days of our lives for nerds. <laughs> yeah. Right? So is he going? Is he, and I was I was following it just a little bit, so I was keen to to for you to talk about this today because I haven't I don't know all the details, but so he leaves and then. This is the thing too, what people don't realize that Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI. So what Satya, I think that's his, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Satya, the CEO of Microsoft did. He's like, hey, come work for me. So this stuff was happening in real time. It was really fascinating. Yeah. He gets, like I said, it's like days of our lives for nerds. He gets fired. Satya says, come work for me. And which was really, really smart. And I, the board started getting nervous because the board fired him. Yeah. He started taking four, five, six, like all these execs. So Microsoft... What people were saying was such as actually a genius because instead of having 49% of a company, he can create his own version. Like Google has DeepMind. Google yeah. bought DeepMind, which is an AI company. He can have a 100% division in his business. Interesting. And then I think what you were telling me before, like they signed a petition. Well, employees signed a petition. They gathered up and they said, we want our leader back. You know, they were willing to quit all of them. And the problem with that was they had a big deal coming with investors and stuff. And if all the employees quit, the deal wouldn't have gone through. So they were the board of directors were stuck in this situation, you know, like a sticky situation. But funny thing is like OpenAI was a non-for-profit organization, yeah? People Focused on that. generative AI, all that stuff. And the reason, the rumor, right, so I can't confirm this, is he got fired is because he was moving too fast with the company. They were growing too fast with his leadership. And they got scared because they thought, you know, AI was going to be dangerous. It's not safe. Is that yeah, is that it, Tony? Were they worried? I heard something that they were uh, they wanted AI to be safer. Yeah. And he was going a bit more aggressive with AI and not curbing 
some of the pitfalls and, and 100%. risks with AI. That, that's the rumor um, that's going out you know, on the internet right now. And even Elon Musk was backing the decision to fire him. Yeah. And Elon Musk, which makes a lot of sense because Elon Musk has been talking about an AI council. He's been talking about um, the idea that AI needs to be curbed and slowed down. Yeah. At the same time, he created XAI, which is really, really interesting. So it's... But it's funny how you mentioned about um, the 49, 50% ownership with Microsoft because... The board of directors who wanted to kick um, Altman out are now in but scrutiny. They might lose their jobs because what they did. So it's now interesting, you know, they might get kicked out. <laughs> Fascinating stuff, man. Seriously. Only if you're geeks. <laughs> tell, tell a novella. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I guess that means I'm a geek because I find that really, really interesting. You, you asked me a question like um, the, whether that means he's a good leader. Mm. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, yes, it does in one way because obviously – there's a difference between being a good leader and whether he's good for AI and ethical AI. Interesting. Because as being a good leader, obviously his team right now, that for me would be a dream. Like if we got kicked out, you know, I'd love if Tony was like, bring Moby back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd love that, right? Yeah. Like that means that obviously I'm a good leader and people want me back, which is beautiful. So obviously he has the support of his team and he has created open AI and the team felt like a sense of justice. If he was a prick, no one would want him. That's true. But the thing is, that's all well and good. But is that a redundant point? Because is AI going down a road? This is the thing. When people say, and I'm always so skeptical about this, that we need to keep AI ethical and AI will be ethical. Greed is the the mother of all bad decisions. Like I'm not going to get political today, but you look at a lot of the stuff that's happening in the Middle East, Mm. that's happening because of greed. Right. If the greed wasn't there, that would not be happening. There would not be questions around mm. whether it's okay to do certain actions. Right. Yeah. I'm going to stop myself because I know yeah. myself. Right. But it, the greed is just going to perpetuate this. Now, if it is true, and I know Elon Musk has always been pushing for an AI council, and they put in a step to commit to that, but now, like you said, a big deal's in place. It raises questions. Right. So yeah, it is what it is. You know, we're part of this capitalist world. We'll find out next week what happens. We'll find out in the next episode of uh, Days of Our Lives for Nerds. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, this is, this is a great idea from you, Tony. Let's move on to the featured buzz. Talk to us what we're talking about today. Okay. In today's featured buzz episode, how to find a great marketer with red flags and green flags. So we're going to discuss red flags and green flags. And this is a really uh, good topic, a very timely topic. Um, and, and thanks to you, Tony, for bringing it up because like – if you just look at this year, Red Pandas from a headcount point of view, we've grown about 25%. That's amazing. Which we're really proud of, particularly, um, I mean, not because our, you know, the competition is going down. Obviously, we don't want anyone to lose jobs, but particularly in a, an economic climate where agencies, a lot of agencies have retracted. So we're really proud of that. Amazing. We're really chuffed with that. Uh, but having said that, this year alone, I'm not shy to admit, and I will always be transparent about this, that uh, for half of our hires actually didn't work out. Mm. And in fact, in fact, because I'm not here trying to sit by the way and say, I'm a great hire. We're going to talk about all the red green flags. I'm here to share a lot of our mistakes and a lot of things that we've learned, mm. right? Because I've guesstimated that a third of my hires haven't worked out. Mm. That doesn't mean a third of them didn't make it. Either they got fired or they resigned really early or they weren't a good fit or they, they hung around for a little while longer than they should. But I'd say a third. Mm. Just to be completely transparent about it. And I think like a lot of the ones that didn't make it, and I think it's a bit of a high percentage, it's like I've noticed, and the team knows this about you, Mopes, is 
you always see the good in someone. You see a gift, you see a talent, and you want to give that a go. And I think that's one of your biggest strengths, but it can also be your blind spot. A hundred percent, Tony. Like spot on, man. Like, and I think that's why because I'm such, I am so you uh, believe attracted in to um, non sexually, of course. I don't want a lawsuit here. <laughs> I'm so attracted to like uh, um, ambition. Mm. right ambition and growth mindset and i'm such a believer of people and i've been so lucky to have very good mentors for myself Mm. so i can't help wanting to do that and in my excitement i've often made mistakes which is why it's really really important if someone's like and look i everyone has unconscious bias unconscious bias is this ability to not see the bias that you have in someone I'll give you an example. Often, like, if you go to a party or, you know, you're sat at a wedding table and the guy sitting next to you mm. is very similar to you, you're like, oh, that person's a really good person. Yeah. Right? And someone on the other side of you isn't like yeah. you. Their personality is very different, chalk and cheese. You will have an unconscious bias towards them that yeah. that person's not as good of a person or not as good of a conversationalist or whatever. Yeah. So one thing I'm very aware of, often, you know, if I'm interviewing someone, and I'm like, oh, they're really, really good. I'm like, oh, I know I have unconscious bias because they, they've got a personality that mm. is similar to mine. I'm going to be aware of that. But also to your point, I think the way to curb some of the weaknesses that, you know, someone like myself or anyone will have in hiring is to have certain rules and processes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that first. Like what we do, our process. Yeah. At Red, Pan- Red Panthers, we have a... I believe we have a really good process where, you know, um, you know, we've got the leaders um, like yourself and I so interviewing the person and then we take them through a process where another leader will, you know, like take them through a uh, role play or even like another like, meeting, right? And they get not scrutinized, but like they get, uh, what, what's that word? A nice word. They get um, evaluated. Evaluated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that works really well because we see how they go and it gets recorded, right? So it's not like, Oh, you know, I want to have that win. We get to watch it and we get to, you know. Yeah. So the first step is always we do a quick screening. And the screening is often done by like someone like Soph. It's like a 15 minute. It's just to see whether that person isn't just a complete weirdo or like Mm. it's really, she's not even asking any technical questions, just a value cultural fit, which I want to get back to because it's so, so, so important. And I feel like we've made mistakes by ignoring our values with hiring. Then they'll have, uh, so that'll be one screening. Then they'll have another interview with someone and then probably just one more. We don't want, we don't like to make it dragged out, but so in total it should be three or four meetings max. And exactly what you said there, Tony, we will do a role play. And that has saved us so much. Mm. We used to actually do when our um a lot of our people, when most of our people used to write, now these days we have our own writers and, and stuff. But when a lot of pe- a lot more people were doing a lot more hats, writing was a big part. Mm. So we'd get them to what do an inbound marketing course, like the one on HubSpot, mm. and then write an article. Since that time, because they don't need to write as much, one, but also two, we don't like to give people too much work before we start paying them, right? Yeah. Like it's a little bit unfair. So now what we do is a role play. So we'll literally get like a paid media report, a report that someone from your team's created, Tony, like a Google, what do we use anyway? Not uh, uh, Data Studio. Data Studio, yeah. Google Data Studio report. And they get it the day before and then they have to present it, role play with someone at Red Pants, pretend they're the client. And that's been great. That's been yeah. a, it's, it's really weeded out a lot of people for sure. Yeah. And I guess that framework and process works for multiple skill sets and positions, right? Like, 100%. I think any position, sales, you do a sales role play. Any, I actually don't, I will never ever hire anyone ever again 
without doing a role play because a role play is not as bad as giving someone an assessment. I've heard marketers have been uh, have been asked to do presentations. Now, oh so, wow! Like it's like look. I think it's one of those things. I, I'm not no one to judge, right? But you're gonna get someone if they, especially if they're looking at jobs and maybe they have a family or they obviously have a personal life, and you're gonna ask them to do a presentation. You're not even gonna pay them for it. Like that could have taken them seven, eight, nine hours. You didn't pay them for. Yeah. So I, I, it's not mine. Like it depends on the role, the culture, whatever, right? Like if you're working for Elon Musk, you'll probably do whatever he wants. Like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, just to get that shot. <laughs> but um, I don't think it's fair. But we will never ever hire anyone again without doing a role play. Mm. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Because yeah. you expose so much, right? Like, but what about like um besides skills? What about like values and like character? Where, where do you see that? Like. Yeah. So it's it's funny when uh me you. Tasha and Linda caught up and we did, um, uh, we we're going over some hires recently, like mm. hires that worked and hires that didn't. And that was the, the genesis of today's episode, the ID, right? Like mm. uh, we were talking about green flags and red flags. And uh, Linda said something quite interesting, um, things that are free and invaluable. So like your work ethic, your attitude, your punctuation, your preparation and presentation. Mm. So when we looked at those things um, with that lens, particularly for a couple of people that we hired, we're like, ah, there was a bit. And obviously, we're not here to mention any names. And uh, to be honest, one of the examples I'm sharing are from the last couple of years, actually, yeah. right? But um, there was a particular person comes to mind, like they missed the interview. Mm. And we're like, oh, ben, you know, we'll give them that's benefit okay. of the doubt. Yeah. That's fine. That, that's one time. Then the second time, they actually um, just went missing for a couple of days. Yeah. So at that time, we should have probed that. Yeah. We shouldn't have got gotten too excited, you know? Um, but it's but yeah. funny because when that kind of came up, your the goodness of your heart, you, you ignored it because you were looking at their talent. And I think I liked that about you because like you were like, yeah, but you know, they've got this skill. Let's just, there's something, you always like benefit of doubt. Hey, you don't know what's going on. All right. And yeah. I, I feel like that Look, was good. It, it, Red Pandas, we say this, a lot, everyone's heard me say this, right? Uh, there's traits. Everyone has traits. Your strength is your weakness and your weakness is your strength, mm. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's the, there's certain things about that style that are really, really good. Like at Red Pandas, because of that, we have a culture of we give trust first. Yeah. We assume positive intent. But I guess what this experience has made me realize like, hmm, we need to take a more measured approach. And that's why I need to take more. And this is the, this is the other lesson too. Take more advice from other people around me yeah. to come to a decision. But yeah, but so yeah. with the work ethics, attitudes, you know, punctuation, stuff like that, like how how do you like, you know, like in boxing, there's like a scorecard or MMA, you know, there's like you know like a system, like the point system. How, like how would you set like the work ethic, attitudes, you know, the values, whatever. How how, how would we approach? That? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, Tony. And I, I was thinking about this recently because we're going through a round right now. So by the way, if you live in Sydney, Australia, and you like to work at Red Pandas. Please give us a holler. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, but so I was, I'm going through this situation right now, right? And obviously I'm scrutinizing how we've done stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If I speak to like 10 people, what's one way I could kind of score them on, mm. right? So I came up with a little bit of a scoring system. Now, to in, all, in complete honesty and transparency, I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I do, I've done something like this similar in the past and it is a little bit helpful. And essentially there's five criteria so obviously I've got my notes for every single person, but then I'm going to score them uh, for out of five for five criteria. So the, the top score is going to be out of 25, right? Knowledge required. So that's the tactical knowledge. 
right? That's the first factor, the tactical knowledge they need. So if we're hiring someone for SEO, do they have SEO experience, paid, paid experience, mm. et cetera, the tactical stuff. So the knowledge required is one. The growth mindset is number two, which I can go into some of these. The personable, so how personable are they? How, you know, like how good are they? Like how do they leverage their personality to be personable? Mm. Fourth is leadership potential. Because that's a big thing we talk about at Red Pandas, and five is extracurricular. Interesting. So, is it like, because um, you know, you're weighting it, is it, is one more important than the other, or is it like? That's it's that's a great question because knowledge required is not the same as extracurricular, mm. right? So, knowledge required if we're hiring someone for paid media and they've got the knowledge, but then the extracurricular activities that do photos, the five out of five you get for knowledge required is not the same as five out of five for extracurricular. So it's a great point, Tony. I think where mm. this is really, really helpful is where you should not judge solely off of this. That's that's. A, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to stress that point. It's not like, oh, who gets the highest score? Mm. I think it just helps you with certain factors you may not thought about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you might have people who are like, you know, dead tied on knowledge and growth mindset and personable and they're great for the role. But one, you can actually see as being a leader one day. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay, cool. You know, that's a great problem to have. You know, gun to the head. Who do I pick? All right, that person. Yeah. So that's And, and it's hard to remember like 25 people, right? So the point system works. Would, yeah. Can they get 25 out of like 25 or 100 out of 100? I don't, I don't see why not. I yeah. don't see why not. Like Uniform. why not? <laughs> I guess what happens then, it's it's not a science, right? That, that's This scoring system is not a science because if you have a bad batch, say you've got a batch of 10 people, the 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 people who get five, it's so the best of the worst. Mm. The people who get five in that batch is going to be very different if you hire six months later and you have ten very good superstars. Yeah, yeah. you know, someone who gets a three with the superstars would, would be five with whatever. So it's all relative, but that's what it's designed to be. Yeah, it's designed to be relative scale. So let, let's say this guy is a gun, or so lady guy is a gun, right? Five growth, five, you know. Great, like everything about them, 25 out of 25, it seems, but their values. Yeah, that's a that's a mistake that, so, at, you know, if you listen to this podcast or also the marketing mentors, because, you know, Tasha and Linda talk a lot about, you know, values and, and marketing, like from a, from a soft skills point of view, right? Um, we're very big on values, like psychological mm. safety, authenticity, things like that. We, we really, really strive, you know, to live those values and we try to reward those values. But we have made mistakes where we hired people that did not meet our values. And Rand Fishkin in his book, and for any founder, I recommend this book for any founder. This book, honestly, I'm just gonna, it's, gonna, it's changed the way I do things now. It's called Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. And he says the easiest mistake you could make is hiring someone who doesn't fit your values because they're a high performer. And he says it that way because it's one of the easiest mistakes you could make. Like this guy's a gun, so much experience, work for our competitors. But they have this short on values. Mm. And values only mean, and I love this, right? And I want to challenge like Red Pandas on this, that values are only values if you're willing to sacrifice short-term profit in pursuit of following that value. If you're not willing to sacrifice short-term profit, oh, like that person's really, really good, like a salesperson, right? That's a good example. Mm. Salesperson, great track record, whatever. We can make some good money this quarter. But their values, like there's a few values that they just don't meet. 
you're not following your values. Mm. You're just like every other corporate business who gets their values printed and chucks it on the wall. It's like, that's our values. Yeah. So, so you can't yeah. import your values into that person. You can't. And then he talks about that too. I know like, it's, it's a great question, Tony. You actually can't. He said that, that firstly, two things. I'll make the first point really quick, but the value should be crowdsourced by the company. So you shouldn't actually try mm. to drive your values on a business. I think if you're, if you're a startup and you're just starting, you kind of have to. But once you have like some people there, you should crowdsource them. Like what are the traits? Mm. And this is how he does it. He actually does a survey. And it's like, what are the traits that you admire in your colleagues and your peers that you want to emulate and you really respect? Mm. Then they take the results that written survey and then they have a discussion around what's the business that we want to be? What's, what do we want to aspire to be? What do we want to stand for? And then they develop guiding principles. And then, so it's crowdsourced. See, see the difference, yeah. Tony? Like, I'm very happy with their values, but we've, we discussed we need to update them now. Now it's time to update them. But instead of us just let someone coming up with their head, crowdsourcing it with the team. And to your point before, yes, if someone does not, if people aren't predisposed to your values, don't make that mistake, the easiest mistake you could make and try to convince them because they just won't. You have yeah. to sacrifice short-term profit. I guess that helps in the hiring process, right? A lot of the people that don't have the values, they're out and you can focus on. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, man. Mm. That's pretty much I it. Love that. Interesting mm. comment. A bit different for us, obviously, but um, I think, you know, these red flag, green flags, even though the title is for marketers, I think that can apply to everyone, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's important stuff to be across. Yeah. And we, that's it for today. Episode 151. If you want to find it, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP151. That's and it. We'll join you again. See you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.